Hey, what's up? This is Gabo from Fayuca, and you are listening to the Sun Solar Panel Podcast. A lot of mercy. <laughs> Welcome to the Phoenix Suns Solar Panel Podcast. My name is Tim Tompkins. Joining us this week, my very good friend, Mr. Greg Esposito. Oh, wait, wait. You're going to call me first when you said that. I try and, I try and switch it up every week. He's <laughs> just hurt that you called me a friend. Oh, listen, oh, I wasn't on camera, but my face dropped when you went oh. very good friend. And then you didn't say me. Oh, and my other very good friend, Mr. Oh. Dave King, who I will say every single time that I go to Phoenix, Dave uh, treats me to dinner. And it is so freaking nice uh, that you do that every time. So thank yeah, you. Th- those Hooters wings are always spectacular when you guys go out, I'm sure. So. <laughs> the appetizer in one drink. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Tim. I am glad that we are laughing this morning. I don't want to spend too much time on it. The Suns coming up with a disappointing loss this weekend um, to the Pistons, which honestly I just found comical being beat by Brandon Knight. He did beat us too. Yeah. <laughs> he hit some key fourth quarter. He had 11 points in the fourth, and he celebrated every single one of them. And good, yeah. good for him. If I was him, I would. You wouldn't. know what? Let me just put it this way. His 19 points in that game on Friday night is the most he has scored in the NBA since playing for the Phoenix Suns several years ago. So he's had a rough go of it. But good for him. He got to play against the Suns one more time. Uh, what, the only person left? There's like two people left from his time here. I, Robert Sarver and Devin Booker. And I'm guessing he's not uh, mad at Devin. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> also, uh, you know, I, I don't want to spend too much time on the other team, but dude, Derek Rose was good. Yeah, it was it was impressive. And he was good. At, yes, he was definitely good. Uh, he was feeling it. There was a couple of plays here, like toward, especially the last two scores he had to close yep. out the game were just incredible. I but think it was in never should have gotten there. Yeah, well, I think it was in the thirty at an up and under that was. Just you, you go, oh, yeah, I forgot that guy was the MVP in uh, 2011. Uh, he actually was a quality uh, player. Yeah, yeah it, it, the thing is, like, the, the defense that the Suns were playing on him, it wasn't bad. No. I mean, they were. They just lost. Yeah. I mean, it was it was good defense. It was better offense. And the Suns just lost. Obviously disappointing, but there was something comical to that. What isn't comical, however, uh, is... Kelly Oubre likely out the remainder of the season with the torn meniscus. Obviously, he's going to be getting a second opinion on this, which I know, Espo, that you tweeted some thoughts about. Um, and I, I think it was uh, Mike Vigil over uh, at the timeline also tweeted some thoughts, one, kind of wondering if it is more of a Suns training staff issue that he's seeking a second opinion on this, not trusting them, or if this is more of the standard with these sorts of injuries. I don't know, guys. Always, I mean, we hear a lot about guys seeking a second opinion, so I'm not going to assume it's because of what we talked about with uh, the training staff and the fact that there's multiple rotating team doctors right now and and everything. I, I don't want to assume that because I don't know the the, the people that are that are the doctors. I'm guessing very highly qualified, uh, just a, just a different kind of situation uh, than has been here in the past and and we've we've heard of guys looking at, at second opinions and I think there's multiple ways if I remember correctly uh, uh, specifically from Eric Bledsoe's time with this there, there's multiple ways that they can fix a tear uh, in the meniscus and and some can get you back on the court quicker but have uh, you know the potential for more bone on bone in the long run uh, and there's different ways so I'm sure it's more about deciding the best way to to fix this tear or if he even needs to fix it or if rehab can potentially uh, take care of what's going on. So I don't blame him. I, I would get uh, as many opinions as possible because, you know, in the end, it's his livelihood that uh, that's impacted by this and he's going into the final year of a contract. So uh, he wants to make sure to, to ensure that everything is taken care of uh, properly. So 
I'm not going to, and, and everybody knows, I, I, I beat the drum on the, the training staff and the chaos of last offseason being, uh, being questionable at best, but I'm not going to put this uh, on them. I think it's smart by Kelly Oubre to just get every, as much information as possible and protect uh, himself long term. Yeah, let's talk about a meniscus a, a little bit. I, I did a little bit of light reading. I am not a medical professional, um, but there are some articles on the on the googly thingy. Dave and, read WebMD. All right, we're good. Yeah, <laughs> right. Um, there is some variation on what what you can do with a torn meniscus. It depends on where the tear is. It depends on if it's mostly fraying or if it's a real tear. The fact a the fact that it's not an acute injury where uh, another ligament went as well. Uh, then it's more likely because of the location of this is a, a long-term wear and tear that finally got to the point that it needs, uh, that it created swelling and pain and needs to be fixed. So it's not necessarily something that happened acutely in that Utah game, which was my first reaction, but um, it's something that just got to the point where now he's got to do something. So y'all will remember Eric Bledsoe. Uh, Eric Bledsoe had meniscus issues all through his son's career as his he had one initially before he came to the Suns with the Clippers. He missed the second half of the season after having it trimmed or shaved or whatever that is, um, but basically just repaired. And then in his first season with the Suns, he did it again uh, on that same knee and he had it removed at that time. And then later he had his, his left knee uh, tore the meniscus and, had that repaired in each case uh, removal can be a little quicker it can be three to four week recovery time and get back on the court sons only have about six weeks left so that's not really something kelly wouldn't be getting back on the court the the downside of having it completely removed is because then you have just a little bit less structure in your knee going forward of course eric bledsoe seems to be fine he's been playing for several years since being traded from the sons and has been healthy the whole time other, other athletes have had this issue as well. Uh, they almost all come back full strength. And it's just a matter of where the tear is, how, you know, exactly where it is on the meniscus. There can be a, um, an area that gets lots of blood flow and it heals very easily. And there can be an area of the meniscus that does not get a lot of blood flow and won't heal easily. That's all why you go to multiple doctors. See so how I've already talked about all the different variations and all the different things you can do. You don't just listen to a training staff who may or may not be medical professionals in the area of menisci and um, those kinds of repairs. That's why you get referred out to a specialist. That's, it's like, that's like saying your family doctor sucks because the family doctor isn't the specialist on the thing that you have an issue with. That's why there's referrals in the medical field. Same deal. I'm sure the training staff themselves are saying, go see a doctor or two. So Kelly's weighing those options. He could have it removed. He could have it repaired. He could have a three to four week recovery. He could be having a two to three week recovery. If it's in a really bad spot where there's almost no blood flow, then it could be a little bit longer recovery. In any case, he should be fine by next year and almost certainly will not be fine before the end of the regular season. Well, and there's really don't rush him back. I mean, don't don't <clears throat> potentially make something something worse. But uh, you're you're 100 percent right. I mean, He's going to find, uh, try to find the right answer for him. And, and quite frankly, I think every athlete should go outside the team doctors to get a second opinion because they're team doctors. They're paid by the team, and their best interest is for doing what's best for the team, not necessarily the player. So I would always suggest uh, a player in that situation get... Uh, additional uh, additional insight. I mean, the fact that he can get multiple opinions from his own team doctors because they have a rotating group is kind of funny. But he can he should be going outside uh, to find more information on this for himself. And maybe he can go to Dave now that he's read up on it as well. So. Hey, yeah. <laughs> so the likelihood of Kelly Oubre coming back this season, uh, almost none. Yeah, and it should be. I mean, why rush him? So what do we do? I think this is a great, great opportunity for Cam Johnson, as long as he doesn't break himself in half. Hey, Monty uh, thinks Cam the same Johnson. thing. 
to have uh, uh well you know i'm the one who talked to monty about this because he had no <laughs> idea that cam johnson could be a good player who would fit into his rotation so i kind of yeah, told him i'm sure you yeah, straight you, you made it all right how about how how everybody else has to admit they had the same reaction as me when cam fell uh in oh. the detroit game that we it went well there it goes. That's the hip. I, <laughs> all right, <laughs> get the stretcher the out. The dust. <laughs> I heard. I heard the the thump through my TV. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Ow. Yeah. I, Ow was it, all was all I thought was. Oh, that. So that what is service painful. did you hear it through? Hopefully not YouTube oh, TV, because then that's the last YouTube. memory you'll have of the Suns this year. Yeah. Well, sort do, of. Do I you have YouTube TV as well, Dave? No, I have. If, I if have you, the good old fashioned. Cable, I'm old. Well, lose. I don't give up on those things. Let me tell you, I got that nice email from YouTube TV two days ago informing me, "Hey, by the 29th, you're not going to have the one channel you're paying for, uh, paying for this service." One reason you have, yeah. Yeah. I almost, I seriously, I was very, very close to cutting my cable cord in January because my contract had been up and I had to just uh, renew it for another year. I had very close to cutting it and going to YouTube TV on all y'all's recommendations yeah. that well, I could watch Suns games there. Screw you, Google, uh, no. for doing this. I will be doing all my searching at Ask Jeeves now because of uh, because of this BS. Well, but no, well, I'm actually right. Hulu TV. Uh, going over there, they have live and they have the Suns. And, uh, Does and Hulu have live sports? They have live sports and a Devin Booker commercial to tell me that. So I'll be heading over there. <laughs> Greg. Yes. I, I gave you my... Uh... Uh, my password. Yeah, and I, I, but it won't work because it location services to figure out that I'm here when I'm no, trying to watch. No, no, it, no, no, it? no, no. It does. The 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 team you can't watch is the Orlando Magic. Oh well, screw you, Hulu. I'm watching free off of uh, Tim's uh, <laughs> League Pass. The rest. Yeah, I was going to say year. I got League Pass too. That's one expense that actually gets covered by my SB Nation partners. Thank you very nice. much. Nice, Yet nice. I am in a blacked out market, oh, see, and it doesn't even matter if I'm in another state; they still think I'm blacked out. See, you so, should you should have used the really SB want. Nation Washington D.C. address to purchase it, and then you wouldn't have that problem. Yeah, well, that's that's <laughs> Look a lesson up. learned, isn't it? Kids, there's always a way to scam the system. Don't forget that. The more you know. <laughs> and, and, and be like my nerdy friends and say, "Well, I've got a VPN tunnel that I touch everything," and I'm like, "Oh, nice." Very cool. <laughs> like uh, we're watching games in China, we have to use a VPN tunnel to figure it out. <laughs> Anyways, we're okay. So we've had Dave talk like a doctor, uh, me yell at Google, and us I only discuss VPN VPN tunnels. We have. I didn't think about the irony that I'm screaming at Google or live streaming on their platform as well. Uh, <laughs> All been, of a sudden, it goes black. Been nice <laughs> talking to you guys. Can we get back to the Suns, please? Yeah, so let's talk about how this impacts them for the rest of the season. You know, we talked about uh, Cam Johnson, this really being an opportunity for him to step up. Monty did make comments, and apparently Dave uh, talked to Monty about this at some point, but did make (laughs) comments that uh, Cam Johnson needs to step up his production, which I found a a little bit interesting. Um, Obviously, this gives a lot of opportunity for Mikel Bridges, which, by the way, I think Mikel Bridges has been freaking killing it lately. Uh, But... This does make a really big impact for the Suns now. Obviously, they can go out and we're going to talk about some uh, free agents that they could possibly pick up if they want a a stopgap for this. Um, uh, Inserting Dario back into the starting lineup. Who knew that Frank Kaminsky wasn't ever going to be back this season? I kind of thought it was a shorter injury uh, a few months ago, but that's not the case. I mean, what are what are your guys' thoughts? It would be nice to see Frank back out there. He was one of the team's better three point shooters. I, I look at it, right, and it feels like the Detroit loss was kind of uh, the bellwether here. So uh, I think right now Greg, we're you've looking you've been stumping at... that the Suns are going to win 40 for months. Don't change oh, now. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Since August, uh, 32, my friends. Uh, anyways, uh, you, you look at it, and I think right now the best play is to just give Cam Johnson as much opportunity as possible and and 
let him kind of grow a little bit more, see what you've got, put a little bit more of the offensive onus uh, on him and see how consistent that three-point shooting can be when you have to leverage him for for larger minutes uh, and use this as uh, an opportunity to get to know him and what that what that role can realistically be moving into year two and potentially beyond. Uh, you you have to understand and and figure out is he just a three point specialist or is there more to what he can handle and he can do for uh for this team moving <clears throat> forward uh, because I, I don't think we quite know because of the injury earlier uh limited minutes at, at times i think this is what you have to use the the kelly Oubre injury for uh, you could go sign somebody off the street right now but the reality is how much are they really going to do and is that really going to change your fortunes when it comes to the a seed probably not i mean there's the and i think we're going to get into uh, what it looks like from a playoff perspective. But at this point, ride ride with Cam. Let's see what we've got there uh, and, and give Dario some minutes so he can uh, earn some of his uh, value back because he's obviously not in the <coughs> Suns' uh, plans, but uh, somebody's going to want to sign him. So Yeah, someone's going to want to sign Dario, and he does put out great effort. He's he's like that, you know, that uh, that guy who always always goes down to the pickup games, and looks like he's you know kind of a bumbler, but then he all of a sudden he does make some key plays um, after missing a couple of easy ones. So Dario's interesting. He tries hard. He always puts out max effort, and I do appreciate that. Um, I sure wish Aaron Baines had become a little bit more impactful again, but you know, he was always a 15 minute a game backup center coming in. So we might've been um, sold on something he wasn't in the first couple of months of the year. And maybe we'll just look back fondly on that as the pinnacle of his life. Yeah. But was Um, there some weird freaky Friday thing that happened with him? Because he can't even set the picks the way he did earlier in the year. Like the one uh, thing that everybody thought he could do solidly uh, continuously, regardless of, minutes and he's not even doing that i feel like he like he and and some like fifth graders switched bodies and the, the fifth graders trying to figure out how to be a seven foot guy uh i would like to say that on the last play of the detroit game uh with the 1.3 seconds left i was a little bit surprised that deandre ayton was in instead of aaron baines simply because it was quite clear that they were going to be using ayton uh for a screen to get Booker free. And I was a little bit surprised Monty didn't go with uh, Aaron in that situation. You know, I was, well, here's another angle on that, that um, yes, absolutely. Tim, if Aiden was only going to be a screener, then yes, Baines could have set a better one. Um, but what's important also to remember is that the Suns were only down two and they could have just gotten Aiden the ball near the basket because the Pistons had gone kind of small and Aiden was wide open on a roll he could have set a pick and then dove to the basket and caught a lob from the from the guy throwing in. I mean, but the Suns didn't even consider that. They went for the win, just like Monty went for the win against San Antonio a few weeks ago, too. Um, so I, this is the way this team plays. Now we have one more one possession loss. I was I was really hoping we were going to see DeAndre Ayton's first uh, three and it was going to win a game. That would have been awesome. <laughs> or even his first three point play of uh, his well, second one of the day. He did uh, you, have one earlier. You, you guys catch that uh, uh, Devin Booker walking away um, uh, right after the foul wasn't called uh, in his expletives towards the ref. Oh yeah, Good yeah. For he him. was told the ref, the ref told him the foul even came after the clock had had gone out or off um, and a close and like watching in slow-mo you can't really tell so the refs never would have overturned that even if Monty had that challenge in his pocket still but but the expletive do you guys catch that on tv Dave you were probably there in person yeah but... I did uh I didn't yeah. see it but I heard it was, it was too far away from me it was it was hilarious I can't believe the 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 camera got so close on him in that moment um the the irony okay. is it's the same thing that everybody at home was saying too so yeah right. <laughs> at, at well that was a worked. tough game now we can let's this look the Suns lost on Friday night against the Pistons because they didn't play hard until the very end that's it mm-hmm. that's just all there is to it the Pistons oh. got all the second chances the Pistons got the offensive rebounds. They got the loose balls. They did everything, which meant they were playing harder than the Suns. The Suns, when everyone was watching, everyone was like, Jesus, can you put out a little bit more effort? However, 
the refs did help. And the Suns played one of those games where they let the refs get into their heads and got down on themselves because the refs consistently were making calls that did, were not in the favor of the Suns. And even if you if you watch them again, they should have been more in favor. Like that Aaron Baines basket interference, that's a textbook um, that's not a basket interference because the ball was outside the, the cylinder. Um, even though it was almost on the cylinder, the entire uh, the entirety of the basketball was outside the cylinder, and so that was a perfect putback by Baines. And even on a even on a review, the refs stubbornly held their ground. So there was a lot of stuff that the Suns let it get to their heads, and they never did develop the energy. And they missed Kelly Oubre doing one of his third quarter energy turnarounds for the team. So I think they sucks. also I I think they also failed in not feeding DeAndre Ayton more because, I mean, he was efficient. Yeah. Uh, he was uh, he was playing well. Uh, and, uh, again, the, the offense didn't turn to him in, in times where, like you were saying, the, the effort was lacking. They just weren't clicking. That, that seems like an ideal time to me to start going to your big man that uh, – that's dominating down low and just being able to efficiently get baskets, just feed him at that point. If nothing else uh, is working, but I, it just doesn't feel like that's part of, uh, of Monty's system or, or the way Monty wants to, to utilize uh, DeAndre Ayton. And I get it. I don't think that's the way night in, night out you necessarily should, but there should be times where you go, all right, this is where we just go to him and we, we turn it into a game uh, that's focused like that. And, and I think it would have served them well, especially earlier in that fourth quarter. Again, they just dug themselves too big of a hole. And by the time they, they decided it was uh, it was time to, to let things click, they just didn't have enough time. They ran out of time, literally, uh, on that final play to, to get either the foul or the shot. Um, uh, I do want to get a YouTube listener question in from Everything Horror. He says, what do you guys think of the Valley Boys bobblehead? I thought they were the perfect bobblehead series for this year because when you think of this year's Suns team, you think of street clothes and guys being out. So it felt like the, <laughs> the perfect kind of bobblehead series. Otherwise, it made absolutely no sense to me. I thought it was a little uh, a little weird, but but from that perspective... Spot on, guys. That was interesting. This is the third year in a row Devin Booker's had a bobblehead, and his bobblehead this year has a little bit of beard stubble on it. And he was like, yeah, <laughs> hey, giving me, making me look a little older now. That's good. Well, it took him three full years to grow that beard stubble. So <laughs> I, I can't even hate. Uh, you guys, want? let's talk about a little bit about uh, possible uh, free agents, buyout candidates that the Suns could consider as a bit of a stopgap we have heard some rumors that they are at least looking um pulling from the list i pulled a few names that i'm going to rattle off if you guys have any or any thoughts on any of these names please let me know please stop me midway okay uh evan <laughs> turner he is right now weighing a possible uh buyout with the timberwolves you know i don't think he's Oof. the scoring punch the Suns would be looking for but a pretty good distributor he could fill in some spot minutes one that I find really interesting would be Dion Waiters, who was waived by the Grizzlies. I do know oh. that it is that too, but we, you know, we, I, I think we're not going to Waiters Island. We're not going to no. Waiters Island. I, we, everything's been talked about culture and and all that. Do you really want to uh, to bring that into the last twenty plus games of of this season? No, we're not. I, I'm a, everybody knows I'm a fan of. Uh, uh, of, you know, islands and nautical themes when it comes to players, but I'm not even uh, residing on Waiters Island, all right? Um, Alex Abrinas. Sorry, I have no idea. Even I don't know, you can't even picture what he looks like. Roll with Cam. He's a... <laughs> uh, that's funny. Um, good three-point shooter, uh, point guard ask that was with the uh, OKC a while back. Michael Beasley. <laughs> I think we've been down that road. All right, uh, Jared Bayless. Oh, why? Point uh, like Jared Bayless. Uh, Jonah Bolden bringing him back. Um, because you're going to have a Dario in the starting lineup and 
could help open up some minutes with that. Just play check Diallo. All right. Uh, you got that. Brewer. Uh, you're reading. It, what? It, yeah. It's a list of guys that 10 years ago you might have gone, yeah, maybe. Now yeah, you're okay, like, okay, well, okay what's well, the point? Yes, I, I get that, but we're also three quarters of the way in the season, and there's not exactly a ton of free agents that are quality that are sitting. Uh, right, that's the problem. <laughs> there's not a ton that are quality that are sitting around waiting for a job. Right. What? Like, what do you? I can't make the list better. If you're gonna uh, do this, <laughs> if you're gonna do this, just go Jamal Crawford and let him yeah. score fifty in a game, and everybody can talk about him for the next year like he's the answer to everything. You know, uh, I, I, I do think Jamal Crawford was on the list. I think that's interesting, although I, I don't think that the Suns necessarily need another guard, right? Uh, Omari Caspi. You're going to get the same reaction on every guy. No, uh, just, there's no point right now. Uh, uh, right, uh, one, uh, I, you know what? I will always, always be a fan of his game, and that is Tyreek Evans. No. Look, if you're going to sign, just go sign Amari for a 20-game farewell tour if we're going to just put some uh, some body on the roster just to do it. Well, Make think, it at least yeah, sentimental. Tim, I think, I think what you're doing is you're, is you're highlighting for listeners and for Greg and I how shallow the options are, how few good options there are. You can't just sign somebody. Here's the thing. The Suns do have young guys they can play. And you know what? They Even though they are only four and a half games out of the eighth seed, they're really at 12 games under 500. They're really looking for next year. And I'd rather find out more right now about Cam Johnson, Mikel Bridges, uh, and Ty Jerome, and even Elia Kobo in a more consistent manner. And so we know for sure whether they should be on the team next year without having not having given them enough time to prove whether they should or not. I'd even, at, after another five or ten games, bring up Jalen LeCue for the last six weeks, or for, not six weeks, but three or four weeks, and see what he can do in an NBA game. Um, that's what I'd rather see. And if that means the Suns lose, that means they're losing anyway. So might well, as well, well we, lose. We, look. We've Look, had conversations. The Suns need to hit thirty, uh, just so that no, they can definitely. go into. No, definitely. I think the Suns will still hit thirty. I don't see the Suns tanking. I don't see the Suns no. resting players that are help that are healthy. Um, so I think the Suns will still. I, I really do think it's image. Uh, okay, let me let me put it this way. I don't think one of the guys you're listing, Tim, will get the Suns more wins than the guys I listed who are who just need more minutes off the bench. I really don't. I, I think these G Leaguer guys, you're overstating it if you think that they're going to make a difference. Look, you've you've already uh, brought up one name, though, I think we've seen enough of. I do not need to see any more of Elia Nono. I, I am... Uh, I'm done with uh, with seeing that guy play. So uh, bring up LeCue and give him give him the minutes. At least you can g- forgive mistakes that a uh, a teenager like LeCue is making uh, as pr- is trying to gain progress over Elliot Kobo. Uh, just give Javon Carter more minutes. Yeah, and fine bring Ty Jerome in as a combo guard. Uh, I think that's a, for sure. If we're done with Ellie, which I am too. Um, just play those guys bigger minutes. You're not going to lose more games by playing those guys, um, continuing to play those guys in the roles that they are, and maybe bumping up the minutes a little bit toward the end. You're not going to lose more games that way. The Suns are not set up to win more than 33, 34 games, and I still think they're going to. Look, and- I've really enjoyed... If you say Elliot Javon Kobe, Carter. Okay. <laughs> no, no, no. I've, I've, really, I've really enjoyed Javon Carter... Uh, over the last couple of weeks, and yeah. I sincerely want uh, for Monty to make him the first guard off of the bench instead of Ellie. And I don't dislike Ellie's game as much as everybody else dislikes Ellie's game. Like I, it's obviously not perfect, but I do think that there is something there, and he should be getting some minutes on this team given the options. That being said, I think that Jamal or that uh, Javon Carter is a much more impactful player on the court. I think he just he's a good three point shooter. He is an excellent uh defender um i want to see more javon carter and i also think that he's really underappreciated uh by fans watching the team look i i agree and his three-point shooting has been much better 
than we expected. I think the problem here is Elliot Kobo is French for embarrassing photos of uh, Monty. I mean, that's the only explanation here is that somehow he has leverage on Monty because we have not seen anything that should make him the first uh, guard off the bench before. <coughs> Carson, right? I asked Monty about Elliot Kobo before the game last night and what he sees in, in Elliot Kobo to give him those first point guard off the bench minutes. And he said, well, Ellie's got, Ellie's got the profile. He's got the size where he can he can get some rebounds um, in the in the paint amongst some bigger players. He boxes out the th at the free throw or the 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 three point line, you know, for from other his guy getting in to get a rebound. Um, he he Monty said he likes how he plays defense, and Monty said how he likes he theoretically has a good offensive game. He just needs to develop guys and give them a chance to have some consistency into growing into a role that they're that even if they're not uh, not performing immediately. Um, so he does think Ellie of all the guys of all the backup guards on the roster, he thinks Ellie has the best physical and skill set profile to play the play the minutes. He just isn't getting the results. Yet. I, I'm well, really my, glad. My I'm really glad Mike D'Antoni didn't go with that mindset because he would have played Marcus Banks instead of Steve Nash if you were basing it off a physical profile. Like, uh, I, I, I just... Okay. At some point, uh, the on. eye test... Monty Williams is not going no, to play I know Marcus that, Banks over Steve Nash. Look, let's I get, know. Let's, it was a joke, Dave. But you look at it, and that it's just ridiculous to me. The, the eye test tells you that... He's just not getting it done. And Javon Carter, whether he has the physical profile or whatever uh, you're you're looking at there, is getting it done. So why not give him the minutes? It makes no sense uh, that you're doing it and, and the way you're doing it. And it, it's just it's bizarre to me that explanation doesn't hold water for me because we've seen enough. If this were the first month of the season, fine. I get that kind of an explanation, but we've seen enough of this. We know now that, that at least for this year, Javon Carter is performing much better than Elliot Cobo is. Greg, From, we keep bringing you back because you theoretically fit the profile of a good pod host. You know, I mean, you worked for the Suns before. You have some inner inroads there. You've been a longtime Suns fan. Theoretically, you should be really good at this, and we keep bringing you back. Dave, uh, if it were just <laughs> you talking uh, uh, with this, everybody would be asleep right now. Uh, your medical uh, explanations are, are, are fine, but... Uh, they're not uh, riveting. They're not. I'm here for the entertainment should I be, factor. Should I be emceeing, like, Discovery Channel documentaries? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, you, should, you, should be have, you should have your own <laughs> fall asleep to Dave talking app. Uh, yeah, Dave fights know. insomnia. That's my new career. There you I'm go. I'm going to do documentaries. <laughs> Tim, please, uh, please interject. From a rotation standpoint, you have Devin Booker, who plays the entire first and third quarters. Um, Ellie being the first guard that comes off the bench uh, to replace Ricky Rubio. I think that having Javon Carter come in to play next to Devin Booker and then having Ellie come in to play next to Rubio um, to start the second and to start the fourth from a, a, a combination standpoint just makes a lot more sense. Look at Tim dropping actual basketball coaching strategy there. No, I, I you're right. I mean, that's that's the that would be the smarter way to do it. Me, I'm just like, put Ellie Kobo on the end of the bench and forget he's on the roster. You're for trying to figure out a way to actually leverage it better from a basketball standpoint. So, uh, but I give you it, credit. It, it, no, yeah. it does. <laughs> like, I don't. It makes more I, sense. I actually, my what I think should happen is Ellie stays on the bench. You've got Javon Carter being the first guard taken up or taken. Ricky Rubio's minutes next to Booker. And then um, you bring in Ty Jerome as Booker's backup because Ty Jerome has the shooting stroke and doesn't need all the pressure of being the ball handler as a rookie. I think that could help. And then um, you're, you're a little stuck with <clears throat> uh, Javon and Ty Jerome for a couple of minutes, but then they bring Ricky back too. So uh, to trade off with Javon. So Javon would be next to Booker most of the time. I think that is a better rotation i would just put um ty jerome in there you know what we have not talked about ty jerome enough on this episode and the impact 
Uh, with Ubre leaving, that that might have for him. Have we collectively given up on Ty Jerome this season? So Monty said pre-game on Friday, and then he didn't play him at all. But he, he said pre-game on Friday that this is Ty Jerome's opportunity to get some consistent wing minutes, and that means not being the primary ball handler. That means playing the Ubre type role, uh, although from a shooting guard point of view because he's only 6'5", but basically he's got the size and the shooting to be able to start playing some more outside minutes. So we might see Ty Jerome, we should see Ty Jerome start fitting in in that role. And it is kind of as I described um, where he would back up Devin Booker kind of. Um, but we're also going to see a lot more of Cam Johnson. And that's a good thing for for Suns fans. And Dario is going to be back in the rotation as well. But I think Ty Jerome, this is, Monty said, this is Ty Jerome's opportunity and then Monty didn't put him in on Friday. <laughs> well, yeah, we we need to s- try to understand, like I was talking about Cam earlier, what you have in Ty Jerome and, and understand if the potential that everybody felt was there in preseason and, and coming out of that draft is actually applicable when it comes to uh, to NBA minutes. And so, yeah, I think he's another guy that they should be putting out there to, to try to figure it out and, and, and understand. I know they won't admit that uh, that their chances at the eighth seed are are pretty much gone at this point, but uh, that's the reality, and I think it's time <laughs> to really uh, really just start using these uh, the, the minutes effectively to understand what you have so you can make smarter decisions uh, in this offseason about this roster to, to get better because the West isn't going to get any easier next year with guys returning from uh, from injuries on other teams. So uh, you need to understand what you have and how you're going to have to improve this roster. So, so I, I want to get to it so that we can just a second, but I want to read a, a comment from a YouTube listener in the, live in the chat right now that made me laugh. It's from uh, Sawbucks23 said, if the Suns are able to draft Edwards, I'm ready to move on from Booker. Edwards. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I I had a donkey award move on winner, from who? Booker. <laughs> Unless he meant Stop Corey box. Booker, because he he's trying to find a new presidential candidate. I think he's. Uh, <laughs> uh, I really hope that's a joke. Otherwise, I got I got my eternal wow. donkey award winner right there. I mean, that's hilarious. All right, you guys ready for stat of the week? Stat, stat, stat of the week. Week, week, week. Yes, Dave. I'm Dave. not contributing any more to that. Why? You're so good. Stat of the week. Yeah, it's very starters-esque. Wah, 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 wah. Sorry. All right. So we all know how good the Suns starting lineup of Rubio, Booker, Bridges, Oubre, and Aiden has been. I uh, just want to highlight it a little bit more. It has the best offensive rating of any uh, lineup in the league that's played over 200 minutes at um, 120.7 and it has the second best net rating just behind the buck starting lineup right the the sun's starting lineup that one specifically has been really freaking good well let's talk about it what's happened with Ubre out yes it's a small sample size but worth noting two separate lineups one is when you replace charge with Ubre in that starting lineup all of a sudden that uh positive net rating of like plus 20 or whatever it is drops to negative 3.5. That being said, Rubio, Booker, Bridges, Aiton, and Cam Johnson uh, so far is a plus 38.2 net rating. Boom. There's your superstar lineup right there. And I I also... Small uh, sample size be damned. I I love our small sample size theater. It's always my favorite when we uh, talk about things. I love that we don't focus on the awful small sample sizes. (laughs) (laughs) Only the impressive ones. Let's look at the positive. Uh, We take take a page from our friends at Fanning the Flames. Uh, We only stay positive when we look at small sample sizes. uh, No, no. It's important to to contrast what happens uh, when you replace Kelly with Sharich. Right. So we know that that starting lineup has been really good. And that's really important when you're taking into consideration the moves that the Suns are going to need to do this offseason. We've talked about they're needed a power forward. You might not actually need a traditional power forward because your starting lineup with Bridges as the power forward is actually pretty damn good. Right. Uh, So having a general understanding for that. Also, we've talked about Cam Johnson, the fact that the Suns can play small ball so effectively uh, with eight net center, which I 
we're going to move on and talk about how Aiton has improved recently, but specifically on defense. Um, even though they're small sample sizes, I think they're important. Yeah, well, I think it's uh, it's interesting how well uh, the starting lineup without a traditional power forward or at least a, a guy that that more fits the the measurables uh, of uh, of a power forward in terms of size and everything, how well uh, it's performed. I, I still think this lineup, uh, and whether it's bench or starting lineup, has to find more shooting. And it, Mike, I just wonder if if you look at that starting lineup that that, that you're talking about, even with Ubre, let's talk. You look at that. Does that strike you as a, a group that's going to grow enough next year to go from? what's likely a 30-32 win team this year to into the mid-40s. Uh, if, if if they get a, a substantial bench, not not a great bench, but just a, a, an average bench behind them, I don't know. They've, been, they've played nice together, but I don't know that that's the starting lineup that is the group that's going to get you uh, into the playoffs. I just, I'm still skeptical of that, regardless of what the, the advanced metrics are saying on it. Uh, I think it can definitely be effective. I think if you going into next year and you have Uberry back um, and you've got a, a, a little more grown up Aiden and Mikel with Booker and Rubio. Yeah, I think that is a playoff level starting lineup as long as the bench doesn't lose leads every dang time. So you've got to improve that bench, got to have a little bit more oomph on that bench, including a scorer um, who can who can hold the hold the fort while those guys are resting. Um, and I think it, <clears throat> having Cam Johnson off coming off that bench and a year older having and actually acclimated Ty Jerome. I mean, the way Ty Jerome plays this year, he looks like he's not an NBA player, but he was very good in college, and uh, he really did project to be a good NBA player. Maybe not a starter, but a good NBA player. So I think another offseason from Ty Jerome will be helpful. Um, you know, Jalen McHugh is a total wild card. But you've got to go this summer and actually get a veteran or two that can really stabilize these lineups that you know, you can cross your fingers will stay hurt. I mean, stay healthy and not get hurt. Um, Denver has one of the youngest teams in the league, but guess who's really carrying them a lot is Paul Millsap. For you know, he's just he's providing a lot of veteran leadership as a starter. And I know we got some help from uh, definitely from Ricky Rubio this year. The reason the Suns are even respectable is is because of him. But Aaron Baines, it was really, really helpful when Aaron Baines was also contributing to wins, and he just hasn't been as much lately. I, I am, I think yes, the Suns are growing into a better team next year if they keep their top six or seven players than they are this year, just because of maturity. Aiden's growing, like it's like he's collecting his Infinity Stones, and he's he's up to two or three right now, and he'll eventually get to all six and. And he's going to take over the world. I really think he's got that ability. And he makes all the right plays. And he likes playing defense. He should have had four blocks on Friday night. And for some reason, our local scorekeeper doesn't know how to record blocks. Um, so he only ended up with two. Uh, so I think Aiden has been has been very, very good and will continue to get better. Devin Booker is going through a slump right now. He'll be very good again, all-star level. So I, I, have, a, I have a lot of positive feelings about it but if the Suns do need to upgrade somewhere it's getting a larger sized larger than cam johnson sized power forward who is athletic who can complement deandre aiden and can shoot the three ball yeah i don't i just i don't know if i'm jaded because of uh, the last decade of, of what we've seen but i'm just skeptical i feel like they still need to figure out one more piece with that starting lineup probably power forward and I still lean towards the smart move as long as this injury doesn't impact it is potentially moving Kelly Oubre uh, in the offseason making Mikel you're starting small forward and and getting a power forward that better fits uh, better fits what you need uh, for the future and and trying to go that route if, if you can find the right guy I'm not saying you just do it to do it but if you can find the right guy i still feel like that's the that's the smart move because uh, why can't you just spend your free agent money to add to why do you have to subtract 
Well, because the list of free agents is the problem. We went over it. There's just not a lot of guys that I think you're you're going to add that are going to take you uh, into that next level. That's what that's what. If this were a a large free agent crop, there were a lot of names that that could have major impact. I'd be totally there with you, Dave. But I just don't think that's where we're at th- this off season. And maybe maybe you you spend smartly maybe there's a few one-year deals and you try to go into that following offseason where there's more uh, free agent guys with flexibility again to try to try to make moves but if you're if somebody's expecting the Suns with this cap space that they have and being one of the few teams that have cap space to go in uh, and go on a major shopping spree that's going to change everything they're going to find out you're walking into the store and it's pretty bare it looks like a Ross after a major sale there's a, there's only a few things left <clears throat> and they're strewn all over the place like it's not I know kind of like dating uh, in your late 30s yeah very much so yeah <sighs> d- 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 <laughs> well, Dave, Dave, you dip into the twenties pool with what you're pulling in, so we don't count you. It's Tim that we're talking oh, about. Look at the pool. Extreme. Yeah. Well, no, that's probably true. <laughs> <laughs> Dave, Dave, it's, all right. Hey, I want to talk about. Let's go to gorilla time. We got about 15 minutes left, and I do think this is very important that we talk about because it just doesn't get enough attention nationally. Likely, it does on Suns Twitter and on Suns Reddit, but DeAndre Ayton has been really good lately. And it's been, uh, at least to me, extremely noticeable. And I want to point out some highlights on the defensive end. We've already spoken about how uh, efficient he's been offensively, uh, not just on Friday night, but over the last several games. Um, But so DeAndre Ayton, uh, since coming back, he defends the uh, second most amount of field goals in the NBA behind Rudy Gobert at 19.8. He holds opponents shooting to almost 7% below their shooting averages, which is eighth best in the league. Uh, he has the second best defensive rating on off differential in the NBA in negative 4.3, just behind Joel Embiid. And the Suns with Aiton have 106.8 defensive rating on the court, which would be seventh in the league, in the league but without Nate Aiton on the court, it's 111, which would be 21st in the league. DeAndre Ayton has been really good lately. Look, the, the month of February was DeAndre Ayton's coming out party. 21.7 points, 12.9 rebounds, 2.3 assists, 1.9 blocks, almost shot 60% from the field. Uh, the defense, as you mentioned, ha- has been immense. This guy is doing everything that we had hoped he would do. And a reminder, <clears throat> it, last night, Friday night, was only his 99th game of his career that he's played. This guy is the real deal. We've we've said it on this show. We've banged the drum, uh, you know. And right now, the only reason again that that he is not gaining the attention and the praise, even from some Suns fans, still, is the fact that his name doesn't start with an L and end in Uka Doncic. All right, that that's that's why this guy is doing everything that we had hoped. We're seeing the coming of age of DeAndre Ayton, and we're still just scratching the surface of what this guy can do and the way that this team can use him. I, like I mentioned earlier, I still don't think at times Monty Williams is, is using this guy correctly and feeding the beast the way you could. It is unbelievable what he's been able to do uh, in the month of February. And if this trajectory continues, we're all going to be very, very happy with the kind of guy that you have. You're going to have your your second superstar next to Devin Booker uh, in, in a matter of time. And likely all-star candidate next year if he puts up these these kind of numbers consistently. What he's done since he's come back from the suspension uh, has been uh, a top big man in the league, and then February took it to another level. Look, and what he's done is he's he's created a new... What he's, he's done is giving you a glimpse into the new... Um, basically his way of fitting into a modern NBA, the, his new version of a modern NBA. He's When he develops that three-pointer, that'll just be icing on the cake. But the man, the thing is, big man, the big argument here over the past few years is that your small ball offenses, which um, are, are very rare that they're extremely effective, but the small ball offenses uh, can run a big man off the court, can force a big man off the court. But why can they force a big man off the court? 
because the big man cannot defend on the perimeter and cannot follow a guard all the way to the rim and deter their shot. That's why DeAndre Ayton is not that kind of DeAndre Ayton is the kind of big man who can do that. And last night on Friday night, he blocked two different three point shots. He only got credit for one of those, but he blocked two different three point shots. And he tracked on, on the Wednesday night, he tracked a guard all the way to the rim and blocked it. Look, the guy, he's like, hey, I'd be extinct if I can't play defense. And that's that's exactly the truth. He he can stay on the court in any situation because he plays smart defense. And then when they try to get at the rim, he still defends the rim. He rotates well. Um, offensively, you can't put a 6'5 guy on him and expect to keep him from scoring. You just can't. What you got to do is put three or four, six, five guys on him like the Rockets tried to do a few weeks ago. And then the Suns, if they actually could make some three pointers, would just kill them. Uh, so this is the makings of a really unstoppable player in terms of uh, uh, impact on a game. And I'm really looking forward to watching it. Uh, he's 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 just the, he is the player because he likes playing defense. He likes doing the little things. He likes setting picks. Um, he's just adding new infinity stones to his gauntlet and whether they all add up to an all-star player is a matter of time. I think, cause I, I really do think he is an all-star caliber player. He is more modern, more new, more unique than just about anybody in the league. And I'll just throw this last stat out, um, in NBA history, there's only been one other guy, 21 or younger. And I know people are sick of the age things, but there's been only one other guy, 21 or younger, averaging even 19 points, 12 rebounds, and 1.5 assists before turning 22. That one other guy, Shaquille O'Neal. That's it. Uh, I've also really enjoyed watching Aiton's pick-and-roll defense. It just seems light years better than it was last year. Well, they've given him, they've given him more simple assignments and I'm not saying he needs simple to make it work as no, a but sign he of knows, he knows when to like, hedge. He right. knows what to do. Right, right. He's picking up on not getting lost in space. He knows he's going to do this and then that can happen. Or if he does that, then this can happen as opposed to getting lost in no man's land halfway between the two players. So yeah, absolutely, Tim, but the coaching staff give them credit for helping him simplify his decision-making and cause you've got to be able to make decisions at a moment's notice based on how the other team is actually playing in that moment. Even the same two guys throughout the same game can play the pick and roll differently against you. So I've been very impressed as well. Imagine if they put the the right amount of shooting on this roster that they yeah. could hit those, hit those long balls. Like you were saying, I mean, that that's a big flaw in this roster. And part of that's because Frank Kaminsky was uh, got hurt uh, and was out, and it stretches Cam's been out. But if you have the right amount of shooting uh, with this guy, it's going to change the, the offense dramatically, and it's going to change uh, how the Suns team uh, wins games dramatically because we've talked about it. At times, they haven't shot enough threes. They have definitely not made enough threes this year. But with a big man like like Aiton, it's going to open up a lot of things, especially like you said, Dave, when you're playing <clears throat> those small ball lineups. Here's where some there's some really good value out there on the free agent market. So if you're not, of course, the Suns could trade Kelly Oubre and get a get a player back because he's actually the perfect contract for a team that wants space in 2021. And the Suns are a perfect team to know that having space in 2021 isn't going to get them a superstar because superstars don't come to Phoenix. <laughs> um, so that's a perfect opportunity. Yes. But if you just want to use your free agent money, which is around twenty five million this summer, just to add to the current team. Actually, the better play, to Greg's point there, the better play is to get a more solid, proven three-point shooter in that rotation that you know you can count on. Um, Bogdan Bogdanovich is a restricted free agent, but uh, there's limits on how much the Kings are allowed to pay him. I don't think they can go over the mid-level exception, which is going to be around $9 million a year. I don't think so, or 9 or 10 You could pay him a little bit more money, and the Kings can't even match it. Uh, there is Evan Fournier. There's Joe Harris, who's been killing it on threes for the Nets and helping them stretch their floor. Uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. has had an excellent year in Dallas. He has a player option. Dylan Brooks is restricted. Um, <laughs> if you like Dylan Brooks, I know James Jones does. Um, but 
Um, oh yeah. And just further on that Dylan Brooks trade, I know we we've beaten that one to death, but I have gotten more and more confirmations from people who were directly involved that, um, the Suns were just a third party in that. And Memphis was really just trying to get, uh, Kelly Oubre from Washington and Washington was trying to rope in a third team to take assets that they didn't want. And as soon as the Suns figured out it wasn't Dylan Brooks that they were going to get free for free, then they, they backed out. Um, so I don't even know how much James Jones really liked Dylan Brooks. He just liked him enough to get him for free, you know, to, <laughs> for the cost of Trevor Reza. So let's Dylan not Brooks overstate the good. Dylan Brooks love. But having said that, yes, Tim, Dylan Brooks has been very good this year, and he brings that attitude that you really want to see on your team. So that's a half a dozen. Malik Beasley is another one who's uh, now going to be restricted this summer and he's getting big minutes from I, Minnesota. I thought that the, I thought that the Grizzlies extended Brooks. Oh, you're right. He's not on the court. Damn it. But, but still you've got, you've got half a dozen already that I'm mentioning. You're right. You're right. <laughs> Bogdan, you've got Evan Fournier, you've got Joe Harris, you've got uh, Tim Hardaway Jr., Malik Beasley, I don't love Jordan Clarkson, but he's been really good for Utah coming off the bench. That's the kind of guy I'd spend my free agent money on. Yeah, look, that's that that's the way you play in the margins and, and you improve this team and improve this roster. Or you trade for Luke Kennard if his knees ever stop hurting. <laughs> but, I mean, if you play in those margins and and you hope uh, – you're, you project that your your guys like Devin Booker, Mikhail Bridges, DeAndre Ayton are going to take uh, significant jumps again. Maybe not Booker taking a significant jump, but you project that they're going to improve. Okay, so I, I see what you're trying to do there, and, and you definitely will be better. And my question is, is next year the year you have to make the playoffs? Is, that, is, this, is it the year that definitively... We, it, you're finally out of the rebuild, and you have to make the playoffs for numerous reasons, whether it's fans, whether it's Booker's mentality, rather, whether it's Sarver's finally just uh, impatient uh, and, and can't handle it anymore. Uh, whatever the case may be, we're going to learn this offseason whether it's we need to just continue to improve or we have to make the playoffs. You'll see based on the moves made. Well, I'll tell you what, I don't think they have to, if, if they continue to improve, the Suns are going to be a playoff caliber team. That's just it. They're, they're good enough now to where there isn't that middle step anymore. Like the Suns this year are already taking that middle step to be much better, but still not a playoff team. The Suns are much better this year. Everybody agrees, but they had so far to go to get much better to not still be a playoff level team in a, in a regular year. So I think, yes, if the Suns can improve their roster another level this summer, then they are definitely a playoff caliber team. And then it's just a matter of playing the games. Yeah, I just worry that the eighth seed being such a uh, a poor, uh, you know, a poor man's race this year, if it if it's slightly skewed, whether there really is another middle step in there. Or not? No, what's because actually you're, here? You're I'm just not, as close to the. I, I know, uh, Dave, but you. I think some people are making this mistake because you're just as close to being the worst team in the West as you are to being that eighth seed. Uh, you know, in in reality here. So I, I just, I hope there's not overconfidence based on this this weird year that we have here that that, that no, isn't I'm, indicative here, me, you know you're right the rest of the west is depressed right now and it, it looks like we're closer to the playoffs than than the team should be yes i agree however having said that the suns do have the 15th best point differential in the league mm -hmm. the suns do have mid-pack offense and mid-pack defense despite all of their injuries and missing people all year They've got a playoff caliber coach. They have a playoff caliber scheme. They have a lot of playoff caliber players that are just growing into themselves. They're going to continue to get better. People weren't sure what le what new level Devin Booker could go to. Well, he's gone to a new level uh, until this past month where he kind of, I think he's got a hangover or something for that all-star <laughs> appearance. Um, but you've, they've gone to a new level. DeAndre Ayton, nobody thought for sure Ayton would make this level this year this yeah. quickly. Um, so they will get better. And yes, I do think that, um, they will be in the mix for the playoffs next year. If they just shore up a little bit more on their bench, one or two more guys on that bench who are proven 
scores will make will have going into next season a big difference for them. I, I absolutely agree with that. So while you say, Greg, they aren't as close to the playoffs as it appears, every year the Suns, um, every year the playoff picture is different. And you're right, it might be tough again. Well, you know what? This year was supposed to be tough. And it didn't turn out to be so last year. Uh, there's always you don't want to be the team that thought the year would be too tough. So not try. And then all of a sudden it's easy to try to go for the playoffs. You want to be the team who did everything you could in the offseason to get playoff position. And then you just play the games. The Suns are now two and eight or two and nine in one possession games. You got to figure that that's going to change as the team gets more mature and it's going to more level out. Um, historically speaking, uh, one possession games are literally a crapshoot. There are teams who have great years on them and there are teams that have terrible years in those games, but it levels out over time. So it's, you can't go into next season and say, well, they'll get two and eight again. No, yeah, they yeah. might, but they I, almost certainly won't. No, I and agree. That's the big, and really, and somebody else pointed out for this year for the Suns, we all want to look at the seven and four start three games over 500 as the, as the outlier of the season. But the real outlier of the season is that eight-game losing streak. Mm-hmm. And that's the difference in what we're talking about. you take out that eight-game losing streak, that's the difference. And what happened in that eight-game losing streak? A, it was their first um, push into adversity. They were without DeAndre Ayton. They were without Aaron Baines for most of it. They were without Ricky Rubio for half of it. Uh, and they were, and Devin Booker was out for three of those games. And that was just a, just too much. And it pushed them over the edge and they still only lost three of those eight games by a possession against good West teams. Um, so I think this team is closer to being 500 than it looks on the scoreboard. And that's why we're so optimistic. I, I agree. And Steve Holler in the chat said, when you're trending up, it's hard to say you're just as close to the bottom. And I wasn't saying... Uh, what I what I meant is just if you look at the standings, uh, numbers wise, you are. But you're you're both right. This team is trending up. Uh, there have been a lot of things that that they haven't gone their way. I'm just I'm still looking at next year and going. The Warriors are are obviously going to be back in in the playoff picture. You imagine that whatever is going on in Portland, there's too much talent there for them to to be playing. Uh, the way they are so you're just you're gonna have to up your game if if you're really in that picture and i i just wonder if we're still one year away from it realistically uh happening but dave i don't as much as i'd love to disagree with anything you said i I can't because it's it's the right assessment there look the sun's starting lineup is um arguably the first or second best starting lineup in the nba the problem starts and ends with the bench and that's what they need to figure out. Yeah. Uh, we're coming up a little over an hour. Let's go ahead and go over to Espo's world-renowned Donkey Award. Donkey Award. I, I think, you know, we had talked about doing the Ring of Dishonor, and we still will, but I think that'll be an off-season kind of awards segment that, like that we go with. Like we'll it. hold off because there's somebody that, that that did something quite egregious this week, Dave. Don't worry, it's not you. That I, that I think we need to recognize <laughs> in the donkey segment. And uh, he has uh, received a donkey before, and I'm sure he'll receive a donkey in the future. But this week, it's Greg Moore over at the AZ Central for his article that was, Is Phoenix Suns forward Kelly Oubre injured or injured? Really? The one guy that you that, that I I don't think I'd ever write that kind of trash about is Kelly Oubre. That guy puts everything he has out on the floor, and if there's a guy that would never uh, fake an injury to try to uh, you know tank or whatever you want to try to claim, uh, it's not Kelly Oubre. All right. The guy has the heart, the passion. Don't question this dude, right? I, I get it. I've questioned in terms of his play sometimes. Fine, but you know, don't question the guy's heart. There's nobody that plays harder. There's nobody that's gonna gonna buy into that. And just stop with this trash. It hurts other writers that you got on your staff over there. It makes people question things. It makes Dave get more traffic because people think Brightside's more reputable than uh, than the local paper now, right? Keep it up, Greg. <laughs> so, so please, can we please get back to some sanity and stop chasing? Uh, this really should just become the clickbait award because I wind up talking about clickbait more often than not. But can we please? 
just dial it back at least from 11 to like 7 on the clickbait rate there. Greg, you know, it, it's getting tough to share a name with you. Uh, Kelly is definitely injured. Uh, I don't see there's any reason to think that he is he is being strategically rested. Uh, we've just seen too much of this in recent years, and so we're we're all biased and jaded. But there's nothing about this Suns team that says that they're trying to lose games. But that's absolutely nothing. They came out of the All Star break uh, with a uh, hunger and a fire to try and make that eighth seed as best that they could. I just yeah. I, I feel like. It's just irresponsible to question a guy like that, like uh, about that. It's not like they're like, he has back soreness. I mean, it, it, they put in the report knee injury, not even not even soreness, nothing right. like that. Full out injury. And they just didn't. Uh, there's hip There's all sorts of things. Why they didn't come out and say it's a meniscus tear and this and that, because Ubre still doing uh, his due diligence medical wise. So I just that that's just irresponsible to me, uh, and and insulting to a guy like Kelly Ubre that's done nothing but uh, but go out there and put his heart and soul into into everything he's done in this valley. So that just that that just upset me uh, to to see. So enjoy enjoy your donkey award. You're gonna have to have an entire shelf in the uh, office space over there because uh, you're accumulating them quite uh, regularly. Uh, and on that note we will be back next week I do want to thank a listener for supporting the show Dave McDevitt so if you feel like you get something out of this listening on the podcast watching on YouTube every week there is a support the show button in the show notes you can do a one a five dollar or a ten dollar monthly donation Uh, we really appreciate it if you do the ten dollar one I'll personally send you a bunch of sun swag Um, but either way thank you so much David McDevitt for continuing to support the sun solar panel podcast we really do appreciate you my most favorite uh, Dave involved in the solar panel right there Mr. McDevitt (laughs) mine too. Have a good week, everybody.